44 of your favorite podcast, Beers, Business, and Balls. Today is Wednesday, September 30th. Jake Zimmer and Will Tondo, as always, the BBB podcast brought to you by Anchor and our friends at Dugout Creative. You can go to dugoutcreative.com. 15% off your purchase with code BBBPOD. It's September, and it's going to be October tomorrow. Um... I don't know about you, Will, but the fact that we have all 16 playoff teams playing today on Wednesday in baseball, that gives me March Madness vibes. It gives us something that we – it's almost like we're getting back what we didn't have before. Yes, this podcast drops on Wednesday, and I believe the lineup is 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 5, 7, 9, and 10. I something mean, like that, yeah. You were getting baseball – all day. I mean, if you're working, you're watching baseball. That is what I will be doing. Yes. You know, you are just watching all this baseball. And we already had a very first exciting day one. Um, a lot of great games there, a lot of surprises. And now we're getting a full slate of it. I'm pumped. I'm yeah. absolutely pumped. This is a really cool time that I don't think anyone knew it would ever exist because it was that one that, that couple of weeks in March where you're just, you've got the, you know, one monitor with your work and the other on the basketball games and now it's <laughs> you basically have unlimited playoff sports for the next three weeks well the last week of september if we're going to go from sunday to sunday you're going to have nfl you're going to have playoff baseball you're going to have nba finals we just had the stanley cup uh take place and you're going to have college football hit the fucking sports books i mean you there is there is immense opportunities, but there's a lot of great games too. And I mean, this is just a very, very fun time. Uh, and we deserve it. You know, yeah. we, we didn't have sports for how many months? I think we deserve this. It is about time. Um, we've got a lot to unpack in the ball segment today. We've got a great guest too, Ed Brady. Some of you may know the Thirsty Beaver in Rhode Island or Huck's Filling Station in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Um, I mean, the list goes on with this guy. Restaurant entrepreneur, but my God, does he have some stories to tell? Um, his interview was great. You can catch that after the ball segment, as usual. And at this point, we, we've been trying to get him on for a while. Um, who better? I mean, he's a Rhode Islander through and through. The guy loves beers. Um, <laughs> he loves having a good time, and he loves uh, you know he's done a lot of good work in Rhode Island too. So that was a good catch for us. Yeah, big friend of the program. You know, we we've known him from Bryant University. He came and speak. Um, at Brian CEO a few times, uh, always a friendly phrase that you see at the Thirsty Beaver, and now an elected official in the state of Rhode Island. So great interview. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, but before we head in, we got to start with our cheers. And yes, we do. Fall beer and pumpkin beer are so back. Um, although that's not what Zimmer's drinking, but that's fine. We had a lot of it. We we hopped around different breweries this weekend in Rhode Island. We went to uh, Foolproof. Uh, we had a not-so-great experience at the Guild. Yeah, regrettably, we stopped at the Guild. Um, and then we also stopped at a good place to grab some beers to go, Crooked Current. And that is where I will be reviewing the beer this week. And it's my favorite that I've mentioned on the show, the Pumpkin Maple Ale from Crooked Current. It's a 5 out of 5. Uh, one of four beers that I've given a 5 out of 5. It is delightful. I was trying to explain it to my girlfriend before she had it, and it was like, you're just drinking a nice ale, and then all of a sudden, it's like you're licking a spoon of syrup. Like, it is the <laughs> perfect combination of sweet and savory. 
Um, very fall, very crisp. Uh, great folks over at Crooked Current over in Pawtucket. So if you have a chance to stop by, give them some support. Uh, they have a lot of great options. But the pumpkin maple, five out of five. We're, I'm, we're just letting you know, folks. If by some reason Nicole Pelletier from Crooked Current is on the show at some point, don't be surprised. That's all we're saying. A lot of great talks with them. She is – so the head brewer at Crooked Current is a, uh, a woman by the name of Nicole Pelletier, and she, to my knowledge, still is the only head brewer in Rhode Island that's a female. So she she's awesome. They make really good stuff. They make really good winter beers, but they have a milkshake IPA that's in our fridge right now that we just got canned. Uh, I can't wait to try that too. So props to Crooked Current. They are not distributing any beers, so put that on your list the next time you're passing through because that's one you won't be able to get anywhere else. Um, let's go to New York now. I tried something from Drownlands Brewery in Warwick, New York, and this was over at Bayberry Beer Hall, another great place on Fountain Street to plug uh, in Rhode Island. It's called Streamside. Now, it's a Brett IPA, B-R-E-T-T. And I did not know what this means. Did you know? Did you know what a Brett IPA was? Because I did not. Um, blend of a Pilsner malt and a British like ale, but where it gets its name is the yeast they use. So it's called Brett Brett Novices or something like that. I really don't know, but it's a it's a wild yeast, which is really weird, and they had like a farmhouse tang to it almost. Um, they ferment it in stainless steel and then they flash fermented in oak pretty much so it was this was wild it was a wild beer it was very like it tasted yeasty but not overwhelming i think um i gave it a four or five it was a very very high beer i, I it was very fruity too it's like a tropical punch they say you should taste some fresh blueberry jam spread over a flaky biscuit i don't know about you i love a biscuit so uh, that was good. It was really good. Four or five. Uh, that's Streamside by Drown Lands Brewery. Um, I don't know. It, it was out of season, but I mean, it's it is what it is. It's an IPA. So again, if you're in the Rhode Island area and don't know what kind of beer you want, head over to Bayberry Beer. Oh, yeah, yeah. They they house a lot of great stuff, not only locally and in the northeast or northeast, but pretty much the east coast. And they have some they have some stuff around the country too. But time after time, I mean, you're getting, if you're drinking a beer at Bayberry, just from our experiences, you're getting beers over a four. Equilibrium. Yeah. Um, Aeronaut had some stuff there. Finback has a lot of stuff. Kent Falls. Um, Trillium. Yeah, Trillium. Wow. There, there's a lot of, uh, and then there's one from, there's some company from Braintree up there too that makes really good stuff. Anyway, check out Bayberry Beer Hall. That's, that's a great starting point. A lot of stuff from Connecticut, Massachusetts, New York too. Um Really good spot. Very vibey, too. Great food. Chicken and waffles. Great food. Chicken and waffles, man. Unbelievable. Let's go into business now. Our, our business, we like to think, will be quick today because we want to talk about sports. We want to talk about uh, – we want to dive into Ed's interview. Let's talk about Amazon. Uh, they're not someone that we brought up a ton, but Prime Day is going to be October 13th to 14th. Normally, it's July, but they pushed it back a few times with COVID and everything, but they were doing too well. Unlike a lot of people, they could not handle any further demand. So 
they had to push it back. They knew an influx of orders was not going to be good for them. Um, right now, if you discount the rest of the year, they are on pace to fucking slash the $280.5 billion they did last year in sales. So this is something that you're going to want to keep your eyes on. I don't know if it's for better or for worse because if they – do really well in gross sales, just playing this out. And they can't ship the product out. And well, what the hell is going to happen? <laughs> like, I don't know. Because there's going to be a lot of people buying shit, I think, more than ever before. I mean, product. ever before, especially, you know, going into, um, you know, businesses and stores that are still closed yeah. because of COVID-19 or are pending closed because they're not going to be able to sustain um, – holiday purchases with that crowd of people, you know, they might only be, you have to wait in line or you have to, you know, enter a drawing, whatever the case might be. Online purchasing is going to skyrocket and people are going to buy a lot of stuff for the holidays. Um, and then when you add prime day to it, I mean, last, last summer I bought, uh, an Apple, an Apple watch, a yeah. three series or th whatever the one was before the four, like the three plus, whatever it might be. I bought that on Amazon Prime for two hundred dollars. Like normally it would be three fifty to four hundred. And they give away echoes like it's their job too. They yeah. sell for like twenty dollars. You get yeah. an echo. So I mean Amazon, the one thing that scares me about Amazon's success is, you know, similar to Tesla, will we see a stock split? Um yeah, that's another one. They're in the, I think, what, 3,000 now? 3,100. 3,100. Yeah. It's like, you know, they're going to, they might follow that same suit to allow more investors to enter in just to, you know, produce more revenue and spike up just growth. So, I don't know. I mean, Amazon's always that one that it's like, when are they going to monopolize and, you know, take over everything? And it's, it's day by day and we're just feeding into it. And but. here's the thing about Amazon, too. They're one of those companies that, their losses in March, when the stock market absolutely was decimated, they were not horrible. I mean, relatively speaking, they were still in the, you know, they had a couple of months of really good highs, like in 2000, 2100 area. They dipped down to 1700 bucks, but think about how much they rallied. They gained another 1000 from where they were at in January, you know? So, I don't know, high demands... Sounds to me like if they have their shit together, it's going to be a continued all-time high. Absolutely, so, yeah. But I don't know. If You better hope that Amazon has product to ship to you if you're buying something on the 14th. I'll put it that way. It was definitely a concern in the beginning of quarantine. Um, I remember, you know, I have Amazon Prime, but I remember some products were like three-week delay. Yeah. And they, and they openly said it too before the purchase. That was the mic I had. Yeah. It was the same, that, that was the, the exact same thing. It was like four-week four, four week back order or something like that. It's nuts. So, <laughs> I don't really know what to think of all this. I'm really not sure. I, I find it highly unrealistic that Amazon's not going to be able to get product out. Um, they, I mean, their supply chain is the most well-oiled machine in America, right? I was going to say the world, but I don't think... I think their American supply chain is bar none the best. So, I think it might be a smart move to hop into Amazon uh, if you can afford three grand, in my opinion. So, with that stock of the week, 
Uh, we're going to stay away from the debate, but we do have to bring this up. Uh, the President of the United States made a couple of comments in regards to the COVID vaccines, so we thought we'd look into what the major uh, companies are doing that are in this race right now. And he mentioned one that he had sat down with, that vaccine seems promising. You know, he mentioned companies like Moderna, Johnson Johnson, all that good stuff, but Pfizer is one of them that stuck out to us. So that we're going to claim that Pfizer's stock of the week, and it's not because Donald Trump said it, let's make it very clear, but I'm taking this from Bloomberg. Um, Pfizer is supposedly now the leading candidate to get the vaccine. And I don't mean to, you know, we, we talked about Moderna and all this stuff in the weeks past. We're like, they're going to get it, you know, Johnson Johnson going to hop it, whatever. But when you look at the studies that Pfizer did, as we looked into this Bloomberg study as well, Pfizer has given itself four chances to get a preliminary result before reaching its final goal of 164. Um, basically, to comb through all the science stuff, We've got the editor-in-chief of Medscape, which is a website offering clinical info for healthcare professionals, say, I've never seen a trial, this is quote-unquote, I've never seen a trial where there were four interim analyses, and that may be the Olympic record. So, basically, they are constantly, you know, once they get to one point in the trial, that they're basically benchmarking themselves, mm -hmm. and they're getting more data about what works and what doesn't before the trial is actually over. So they're tentatively pausing it, and assessing the data, making the necessary calls, and then going back out there and doing this. So I am by no means a researcher. I, mean, I do not have a PhD. This seems very promising um, when you've got a lot of, uh, you know, like this, this editor-in-chief guy at Medscape. It's a pretty good sign. Yeah, and, you know, following the trends of other uh, stocks that were mentioned highly in the news regarding the vaccine, I mean, Moderna being one of them, has, that has consistently... Um, risen and fallen and vice versa. Pfizer is a reputable company. Uh, they're doing the right things to ensure that this vaccine is safe, which is obviously the biggest concern for consumers is the safety aspect, but they're doing all the right things. Um, obviously they're trying to speed this up a little bit faster than normal because again, Americans need to reserve, return back to some type of normalcy. But going into the actual stock, we have Pfizer uh, trading under PFE, they're around $36, a little over $36 a share. Um, you know, a couple big things leading into this possible rise is we have the World Bank seeks a board approval for $12 billion Corona vaccine financial plan. So they're going to have, you know, financial stability coming up with this vaccine. And if it does, in fact, work and is proven to work, I can see them absolutely skyrocket. Yeah, and Pfizer's a weird stock. You look at their year-to-date, started at 39, they're actually trading at 36 now, as you just mentioned, Tondo, and um, the chart's weird. We're looking at it right now, this year-to-date. There's there's two big dips, one in March, obviously, like everyone, and then one in July. So if there's consistent results with these next couple of months, I feel like Pfizer has a chance to just blow it out of the water. And again, they're competing with Moderna, they're competing with AstraZeneca, they're competing with a lot of folks, but they are a massive company. They're on, you know, 57 of the Fortune 500. That's no joke. When you have that resources, you have a lot of pull and money. So, stock of the week, why not? Throw some money on there. We're not financial advisors, do not take us for, uh, 
As all the financial people say on Twitter, always invest responsibly. You know the drill. But Pfizer. That's one, yeah, one closing point to that. I mean, if we're just going to look on trends, again, we're just guys that you know, read our articles and do our research. We don't know jack shit. But Moderna, which is a stock we mentioned, in February they were at around $19. When they were at the heightened point of all of the news coverage and all of their findings, they shot up to around 95 They're now trading at 74 So it might not be a long-term investment, but, you know, catch the, catch the spike and ride the wave. Oh, yeah, you certainly could. That's one of those where you can ride the wave. So... Pfizer, we will learn more about as the weeks go on. We'll also learn a lot more about AstraZeneca and Moderna and Johnson & Johnson and a few of the others that were mentioned in the debate. So, again, the COVID vaccine companies or frontrunners went out, and we moved to balls. We talked at the top of the show about how much sports there are in the world right now, and I love this so much. Let's talk about baseball first. As we know, this is such a weird baseball environment because they've made changes to the playoffs in the past. There were 10 teams last year going down from or expanding it from 8 to 10, and now this year, obviously, just put a wrench into everything. So we're at 16 teams total, which is the most ever in the playoffs, to my knowledge, in the MLB. I don't think they were doing this shit back then especially with less teams, but you have the AL broken up uh, into their top eight teams and then the NL. What, what was so weird with you and I have had so many conversations about is the seedings and why the six-seed Astros at 29 and 31 have a better seed than the 35 and 25 Chicago White Sox is beyond me. I think they fucked that up. Well, yeah, I mean, it should have been the three division leaders, the number ones in each – in uh each division, hold the top seeds. Yeah. And then from four to eight. Yeah, the logical thing is the next highest percentage. Highest percentage. They could have done something like football where it's like the second place team also gets the lock. And then, well, that's what they did. The second place team got the lock. Um, But yeah, seeing the Astros at the sixth seed and then unfortunately beating the Twins because the Twins (laughs) cannot win – uh, baseball games, oh, playoff it. baseball they games. Can't. You know, it's... I think I think I read a stat. It was like the 18th straight playoff loss. Oh my god! You know that that's should atrocious. that shouldn't be the case. And that's Is that why a thing 18 straight. I'll double check on that. <laughs> but I believe you. I'm just saying that's like nuts because they they got bounced by the Yankees last year. Wasn't even like, I can't even keep track of the Yankees anymore or the Twins. That's nuts. But yeah, I mean, regardless, it should be. So they got it right, and I understand. 17 straight. 17 straight, yeah, there you go. Still, I mean, that's ridiculous. That's 17 straight losses in the playoffs. I understand the MLB's logic here. You know, you give one, two, three to the top seeds in each division, and then I I just don't think anyone predicted that the Astros would be the second place team in the AL West at 29 and 31, you know? I mean, I question this com- the reason the conversation came up is. We were watching the uh, the A's White Sox game, and I go, the White Sox are a seven seed. No, I don't know how at one point they were the number one, and I know there was a lot of drama at the end between them, the Twins, and the Indians. But I was like, holy shit! Like the White Sox as a seven seed, the way they performed. Yeah, and this is a good time to go into the matchups now too, because I think a lot of our opinions are going to start to come out here. So you have the Rays and the Blue Jays at one and eight, uh, the one and eight seeds that is, and then the Indians and the Yankees at four and five. Twins and Astros at three and six, and the A's and White Sox at two and seven. All of them have winning records. 
Except the Houston Astros, those rat bastards, those cheaters, they stole the game and they stole the World Series and now they stole the six seed too. Um, and they just beat the Twins. Fuck, that's a, such a good draw for them. I hate it. Um, shall we? Shall we just get into it and what we think? So to catch everyone up to speed, the Rays at this point have beat the Blue Jays. The Yankees clobbered the Indians, which they so desperately needed. Astros snuck out against the Twins, and the White Sox had a phenomenal day against the A's. Lucas Giolito took a perfect game into the seventh inning of the playoffs. And that kid is a stud. I will tell you, he's a stud. Let's start with the top. I mean, Braves-Blue Jays, I think Tampa's going to – I think they're going to run away with it. I don't even think that's a fair matchup. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it could go to three games. I think the Blue Jays could come out and uh, win – Today they've got to hit the ball. Though. They have to hit the ball, yeah. but I think that could come out in three. Um, I guess going down the ladder, I think the Yankees will beat the Indians tomorrow again. I I mean, I almost wish it, it's that thing where your team does really well and you want them to save a couple of runs, and throw them in the bank for tomorrow because it's twelve two final tonight. The Yankees looked phenomenal against a potential Cy Young front runner and Shane Bieber. You, man, I think they're, they, they're in one of those moods where it's just like they're they're going to make a deep run or they get fucking bounced these next two games. That's it. Yeah. But so I, yeah, I'm, I'm right with you. I think Rays and Yankees that next round. So then after that, I mean, you got Twins Astros. And I offer no ruling. <laughs> I, so I don't even know who the Astros are going to pitch tomorrow. Um, I, I don't know. I'm concerned. I think the Astros win this in three. I know. I think the Twins yeah. will win tomorrow, or I, Wednesday, we should say, which is today. So Yeah, I think the Twins win in three. I mean, um, the Astros win in three. I, uh, I just don't think the Twins have it, uh, which is unfortunate. And then heading down to the A's-White Sox, I mean, I would think this goes to three. And I, to my gut, says the White Sox win it. I, I'm right with you, actually. And I, I don't know if... I, I, I think the White Sox might do it. I think it might do it in two. Yeah, I, th- I just the A's were such a hot team in the beginning, and then they scare me. They they are a scary team. They have a you know very strong pitching and like an abundance of offense. Um, they're just an interesting one. I just for some reason I saw the White Sox with my gut feeling. I just don't. I just don't think the A's could close out. Yeah, in my honest opinion. The it's almost unfair that one of these teams has to lose first round because they are both so good. They are both. I think. If you rank these teams talent-wise, if they're all healthy, I think you put the Yankees at number one. I think you put <laughs> the A's at number two and the White Sox at number three. Right, yeah. yeah. And I would say the, the Rays, give them credit where it's due, they are number four. Yeah, that's fair. And then everyone else, I don't really, you know, it is what it is. I think Cleveland's good. I think, the, you know, we can go on and on, right? But So that leaves, I think, our predictions for the ALDS, the division series, which will be played between San Diego and Los Angeles. Um, No. Uh, I'm saying the the physical sites will be – yeah, that's another weird one. So they are going to play these games in like a bubble style on the West Coast for the ALDS. So I don't hate it, whatever. Um, Maybe there will be fans in the park too. Who knows? We have the predictions now as the Rays and the Yankees – the Yankee, I, I will take this to the grave. This is going to break us right now. This will absolutely break us. If you are a loyal follower of the pod, you know we love Yankees baseball. 
I've been very clear with you. I think the only way the Yankees are going to win the World Series is if they have to pass through the race. That's it. I, I think that that's the only team that's going to motivate them to get off their ass and dominate. I, you can't, I think you can't so. lose the Rays in the playoffs. No. You cannot. I mean, this season was pitiful. We knew the Rays, uh, you know, last year were a team that we're going to have to think about in, our, in the back of our heads. Um, but you can't, you cannot lose to the Rays in the playoffs. There's just no – that is something you'll never be able to live another day. No. It's just something that is – it's just always going to, like, hang over our heads. So, these are five-game series? No, these are – so, actually, yeah, the next ones are five, I think. I think they're five. Yeah, they're five games. I want to say sooner, but I think Yanks in five. I I want to say four. I think I'm leaning towards four. I want to, but this is a team that they're going to need to get over that hump, and it's I, I'm going to say Yankees in five. Yeah. And then from that that's tough. And then from there, we're going to say White Sox and Astros. Yeah, so it's, we have Astros, White Sox up next in the ALDS here. I'm taking the White Sox. I'm taking the Sox, too. Yeah. The Sox, if they – my prediction is that the Sox, like I just said, would do it in two games and beat the A's. If they beat the A's in two, there's no stopping them. There's no yeah. stopping them until they get to the ALCS. I don't think so. Until Giolito has a chance to, to get a little bit worn out, right? I, that's that's what I think. What so so that would leave Yanks White Sox. That would leave Yanks White Sox. Oh man, I in my personal opinion don't think that's a close series as people think. I think the Yankees will have the White Sox number. I I might agree with you. I think Yanks in six. Give me that. Yeah, I'm taking Yanks in six. Um, That's the official endorsement of the, this podcast, folks. Yeah. So that puts us, and again, I'm not trying to put the Yankee bias. I give credit where credit is due. I think the White Sox are a phenomenal team. I think if the A's beat the White Sox, then the A's will beat us. Um, and we still have to get over that hump of the Rays. But I honestly think that you poke the bear. Um, you know, the guys are hitting home runs and firing all cylinders. The Yankees started, um, you know, they started what? 15 and it was 16 and 3, and then they went 5 and 15, and then they went 10 and 0, and then they went 2 and 6. I see them going on a tear. I think so too. I think they're due. And this is not us just being, oh yeah, the Yankees are sick. I mean, this is everybody, all the experts are saying this right now. It's like you don't want to see the Yankees in the playoffs. You don't. You don't want to see playoff Yankees. And if tonight wasn't, or if Tuesday night wasn't a statement, I don't know what is. Yeah. I don't know. They dominated the best pitcher in the league. Yeah, they shelled him. He gave up, I think, seven runs was the final line. Not even the best pitcher in the AL. I think the best pitcher in like... No, he's the best. He would have won. Well, (laughs) Mets fans are going to... We have a lot of Mets fans, listeners, and they're not going to be too happy with this. But, (laughs) I mean, I don't think Bieber has earned the clout of the best pitcher in the MLB yet. That, that can be for a later conversation. It is, and that's probably for the offseason. I'm just saying for this season. I'm not saying in their whole Yeah, class. but I think even for this series, or for this year, I mean, the case is to be made for DeGrom. That's all I'm saying. DeGrom is, he's like Sam Darnold. That poor guy is stuck. Well, now let's head to the NL, which the Mets aren't in, so <laughs> DeGrom couldn't lead them that far. But yeah. we have Dodgers at one, Brewers at eight. Uh, Padres at four, Cardinals at five, Cubs at three, Marlins at six, Braves at two, Reds at seven. Mind you, we talked about losing records too. 
Milwaukee Brewers get in with a 29-31 record, same record as the Houston Astros. And that was also with the help of mm -hmm. the Giants missing, and then the Phillies missing as well. Yeah, but just pointing out the Brewers are uh, are in with an yeah. under 500 record. So the logical thing to do here is say, let's fast forward and put the Dodgers in the World Series. Um, that was my prediction at the beginning of the year, Yankees-Dodgers. Um, I want to say Yankees comes to fast forward everything. I'm gonna roll back on it for yeah, now. There's, there's a lot of debate right now. There's there a is. Lot. I mean, starting off with the Dodgers Brewers. I mean, do they? Is, is I think the Dodgers in three. I think the Brewers take one. I don't. I think the Brewers okay. take one. They have a little fire in their ass last season um, by embarrassing. Yeah, they got bounced. They got bounced by the Nats on <laughs> an error in right field. Too, and to you know they started off slow and they tumbled in. I think they take one game. A close game, but I think the Dodgers win that series. Now we have Padres Cardinals. Another team, Cardinals. Kind of surprising. Um, I was very shocked that they made it. I was. Yeah. I like the Padres in two. It, it sucks that they lost Clevenger, um, but I, I like the Padres in two. If they get Flaherty on game one, um, I think the Padres are just going to yeah, here's the thing for me. I, I love the Padres. I love what they've been doing. I, For some reason, I just don't trust the Cardinals in the postseason uh, to just roll over. I think the Cardinals have historically been one of those teams that they just way overperform. They overperform in the postseason for some reason. I don't know if it's the coaching or the just the guys that they have on the team, but a guy like Jack Flaherty, you run into him, you're fucked. Mm -hmm. um, but again, there's enough firepower in this Padres offense to give them problems. Oh, I'll take Padres in three. I think uh, so. Our predictions are flopped here, but I mean, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's Dodgers and the Padres that are moving on. Um, Cardinals, I, 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 I really want to say that they give them a hard time. That's my prediction right now. Oh, I agree. That's but that's what I'm saying. Well, I still think the Padres will get them in two. Padres will, yeah. I think the Padres will get them in three. Perfect. So now we have Cubs and Marlins. Um, I want to say Cubs in two. I think yeah. the Marlins and Derek Jeter should thank, you know, we thank Derek Jeter <laughs> and the Marlins for John Carlos Stanton. Um, here's our here's our thank you letter, our thank you note. We put you into the playoffs because yeah. we played like dog shit um, that series. Yeah, but, you know, congrats to the Marlins, first time in a minute that they're in the playoffs. But the Cubs are too dangerous of a team to even lose a game to that. And they're hot too. That's what's important. I mean, they they look good. They've, not only got the talent, but I mean, they have, they are just trending way in the right direction. They're beating every, they're beating the shit out of everybody they, you know, face. Uh, you Darvish, oh my God, where the hell did he come from after a dog shit year last year? I mean, good for him. I doubted him. I really did. I love the Cubs and I doubted you Darvish. I was like, this old fuck isn't going to do anything this year. And here he is. He's he was in the Cy Young talks too. Mm -hmm. If Degrom wasn't so good, you know he would have been up there. Um, Marlins are too young of a team. They'll get there. I, th I like the talent. I like Jorge Alfaro. I like uh, some of the guys in their pitching staff. Sixto Sanchez. This is my God. He's sick. Um, and then the last one's the Braves Reds. And the Braves are the two seed. The Reds are the seventh seed. Let's get your pick first because I need to think about this. I'm calling an upset. I'm saying Reds in three. I have a feeling. Um, I think that the NL Cy Young is Trevor Bowers. Um, I think that mm. guy pitched incredibly. Listen, there's no denying DeGrom is a incredible pitcher. The best in the league. 
um, consistently year after year. He is, he is the epitome of an ace. Trevor Bauer, unlike DeGrom this year, never had a bad outing. DeGrom had one. How much will the committee value that? Enough to fluctuate the stats that much that, you know, Bauer got the ERA. He had the lowest ERA. You know, he had all those things. And again, another aspect, and it shouldn't matter, but it does. Or it should matter, but it doesn't, yeah. is that Trevor Bauer led his team to in the playoffs. He's in the playoffs. He's competing. In, he is playing in October, and the crowd is not. I, I'm so sorry, Mets fans, because you might want to turn this off. But I like the Reds. I think they're three-headed pitching monster of Bauer, Castillo, and Sonny Gray are better than what the Braves have. I think the Braves are still a talented team, but it'll be a three-game series in my opinion. I, you make a good point. I don't disagree with that. They are better than the Braves' rotation, but I think what the problem is going to be for Cincinnati is that the Atlanta Braves' lineup is better than their lineup, and I think it's good enough to at least give them problems to break the games open into the bullpen. That's what I think is going to ultimately happen. I think the Braves have a better bullpen than Cincinnati. Um... I, I think this is going to be a huge dogfight, but give me the Braves in three. Okay. And so what do we have here? We have the Dodgers playing the Padres. I think the Dodgers steamroll them at that point. I think the Padres are going to be exhausted from a long Cardinal series. I think um, – I just think the Dodgers pitching is too much at the end. You know, I think they're going to – maybe – the Padres might get it out in game one, but I think if this is a five-game series, we're, someone's going to have to fact-check us, but – this is a five-game series. Give me, give me LA in three. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a sweep. I don't think so. I have Dodgers in four or five. Um, the Padres are too good of a team to put up eggs. I, I see it. I, I understand it. I do. I just don't think it's going to happen. So regardless, we think Dodgers advance there. Now we've got. This is interesting. Okay, so the Cubs are playing either the Braves or the Reds. I'll start with you if it's Cubs-Reds who advances here. I think it's with both teams, the Cubs advance. Yeah. I don't think it's a question. I think the Cubs are just better than both those teams. Uh, their offense is just, you know, between Rizzo, Bryant, Schwarber, all of those guys. I mean, you know, the, it's the Cubs. The Cubs are – this is – if they're not if, – if there's a team that I would pick out of the NL, it's going to be the Cubs in my opinion. Oh, so over the Dodgers, even interesting. Yeah. Okay, I just don't. I, think, I just oh, don't think man. the Dodgers close out. I want to believe that. Yeah, fuck it. Give me the Cubs in seven, and I'll see. Yes, I just like again. LA has a phenomenal offense too. You know they have. Who is their ace right now? Dodgers. Yeah, uh, Bueller. Right, Bueller, and then Actually, May. Let's take a look. Yeah, I mean Dustin May has been. Absolutely phenomenal this year. He started game one. Don't forget that. He started because um, Kershaw got scratched game yeah. one. Yeah. So, I mean, this is ridiculous. We're looking at this now. It's Kershaw, May, and Bueller. I mean, May, um, let's even look at May's stats because May is one of those guys that, like, really touted. Uh, all right. Yeah. I mean, 257 ERA this year over 12 games. Uh, 109 whip. That's really good. I, I'm high on this guy. I am. And not just because he's Red Thunder number two, but yeah. because this guy goes out and he just balls. He's balled out all year. I mean, the question for the Dodgers is going to be, 
did they make the right move in getting Mookie Betts to push them over the playoffs? I think Mookie Betts is a phenomenal player. I think he added a dangerous aspect to the Dodgers. But deep down, I just don't think pound to pound the Dodgers can close out. Yeah, you go around the horn and you've got a bunch of different options in the infield and a bunch of different um, ways to configure it. I mean, first you look at Max Muncie and Bellinger slides in there too. Muncie's weird because he just plays everything, right? First, second, short, third. Um, Gavin Lux, uh, you know, I really, I'm really high on. Mookie's been playing second for a few games. I'm like, what the fuck are they doing? Um, Corey Seager, another phenomenal one. And then the outfield, you got A.J. Pollock, um, Bellinger, and then Mookie. And then, you know, you mix in Jock Peterson every now and then too. Um, Kiki Hernandez is another one. Yeah, Kiki Hernandez is a super utility guy. He's playing everything all the time. They're deep. That's what scares me. These guys are really deep. Um, and Chris Taylor, too. Chris Taylor's quick. He's going to be real quick off the bench. Fuck, now I don't want to... I don't understand how the Cubs beat this team. I don't. I, it's going to be a long series. It's, I, the, if the Cubs beat this team, they're doing it in seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Cubs in seven. So then, way too early prediction, Yankees-Cubs. I mean, I think the Yankees take that. Yeah. I predicted Yankees-Cubs in 2015, and I was blatantly wrong. So, I hope this doesn't happen again. Yankees and Sets. <sighs> yeah, I, I'm, I might even say five at that point. Well, uh, so Yankees and Sets. The Yankees get to that point, they're going to be real hot. And they're going to be... Uh, Everything, if they did that to Shane Bieber, was a sub-2 ERA. I'm scared to see what they're going to do to you, Darvish. Yeah. Who a lot of those guys on the team have faced, right? Like, Stanton's definitely running the Darvish every now and then. Um, well, actually, now that I think about it, I don't know that a lot of guys have faced. <laughs> Maybe some guys in the NL. All right, we'll revisit that. Um, all right, Yankees in six. We're not a Yankees podcast, folks, but here we are. Yankees over the Cubs in six games. Brought to you by Beer Business and Balls. I don't hate it. I like that a lot. Um, send us your picks. We will publish ours as well. Rapid fire. We've got NBA Finals preview. Heat over the Celtics in six. Lakers over the Nuggets in five. We're getting LeBron versus his old team in the NBA playoffs. I think we all knew it was coming. Um, I'm very excited. we got a bunch of rookies on the Heat. Duncan Robinson went off. He's not even the... Tyler Hero is exalted as this rookie, and we have gassed him up too, and he's not even the best rookie on the team at Duncan Robinson. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Duncan Robinson's story is incredible. He went from, you know, going in, in Michigan being like, I think my basketball career's over to an undrafted rookie who's starting a Files game. So, yeah. What's, what's the prediction here? Uh, fire off predictions. Sorry, guys. Lakers in five. I'll take him in six. Lakers in five, yeah. LeBron, cool. LeBron ain't losing. No, that's what I think, too. I mean, I think the Heat are going to give him – they're going to catch him off guard a couple of nights. I do think so. I think they win two games. LeBron wants to, you know, solid, because this is – I think compared to other sports, this might be the hardest um, championship earned in COVID era. Yeah, either that or the Stanley Cup. That, too. That, too. I mean, it's the same concept of they played additional games that weren't needed in the season – and then they were in a bubble for four months, which is such a mental game. You know, not being to leave, not being able to see your family, um, just stuck on social media, which is already a mind killer as is, to then, you know, play teams and 
you did not expect the Bucks to lose. You did not expect the Clippers to lose. You know, you're getting these new combinations of teams. I think that, like I mentioned a few weeks ago, whatever team catches the flame is going to win. And uh, I just don't see the Lakers losing. No, there's no way. So, Lakers heat, that'll be fun. Um, we just took, mentioned the Stanley Cup. The Lightning won. Low-key, the Lightning just won a Stanley Cup. I don't really think Twitter was freaking out about that or um, or anything. Chris Hanold was all over it. Um, I believe he picked the Lightning at 6-2. So, again, another one where the Stanley Cup is one of those weird honors in sports where it's, you know, one of the more elite championships to win, I think, because the history, your name goes on the cup and all this stuff. I find it really unfair that people are going to diminish this now because of the bubble. Uh, those guys are it. It's playoff hockey still. It is what it is. I, I get it. It was different circumstances, but at the end of the day, Tampa Bay Lightning are champions. And yeah. they, it was very well-deserved, in my opinion. Yeah, no. It was, a, it was a, I mean, it was a fun series. I watched it, obviously, through with the Islanders and, uh, you know, dabbled here and there in the Stanley Cup, but it's still, it's still a championship. Yeah, it's Islanders championship. Vegas would have been fun. Yeah, that, that would have been much more fun than this. But again, Lightning won, you know, it, it's a, one of the biggest honors in sports, Stanley mm-hmm. Cup. Um, real quick NFL recap, too. I mean, we'll have a lot more football content for you, too. Um, just some big things to keep your eyes on. I mean, we'll talk the Patriots and Giants real quick. Patriots, 36 20 win over the Raiders. They looked good with the run game, finally. That's really all I'll say about that. They're moving on to the Chiefs next week, who just kicked the, in my opinion, kicked the shit out of the Ravens. I don't think that score represented what that game was. 34-20. I mean, it's time to start talking about Mahomes and what he's going to contribute to this Chiefs franchise. It really is. I mean, everything the Chiefs did this year, they took contribute to their franchise. Not only, like, Signing the hell out of Mahomes. I mean, that is your guy for life. They re-signed um, Chris Jones, yep. who has been a phenomenal defensive star. They restructured Sammy Watkins, who takes the pressure off of Tyreek Hill. They extended Travis Kelsey, who's arguably one of the best tight ends in the league. And they yep. locked up Andy Reid to an extension too, who is such a mastermind and a coach. So this team plus also plus also they haven't. I think they retained all of their starters besides the one OL who opted out. Uh, because of COVID. Um, well, yeah, I think doctor, everyone came back. Everyone came back. And then they added Clyde, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, yeah. which is, I mean, he did phenomenal at LSU, and he is literally going to be possibly the AL uh, Rookie of the Year. I mean, AL. Uh, um, <laughs> AFC. AFC Rookie of the Year. The Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. It's clear that they are. We were just talking with Fanta last week about the Ravens being – clear cut Super Bowl candidate, that is out the window now. Yeah, I mean, that... That, that was if, miles if the, away. If the cards line up, that'll be the AFC Championship. Yeah, probably. I mean, any realist would think that. And then, you know, the whole storyline is that they get revenge, it's back in Kansas City, blah, blah, blah. The Ravens were are, are very good, but they were outmatched. They were so outmatched, so they're gonna... If someone beats the Chiefs, it's because the Chiefs are not at full strength. Mm-hmm. That's it. And if the Chiefs are at full strength, God help everyone. Stay out of the way. Sure shit ain't going to be the 49ers, I don't think. But you have any comment on the Giants game this week? No comment at this time. 36-9. to I don't know. I, <laughs> three weeks in, Giants are on three. Um, we'll leave it at that. So that's balls. Uh, as always, we have our segment air raid out um, before the fantasy 
matchups uh, begin on Thursdays. So keep your eyes out on our Instagram. Uh, it's us two and then Clubfoot Gym breaking down what you need to know for your upcoming matchup. Week two is a bunch of injuries. Week three is going to be really good because there were a lot of high-scoring folks and should be exciting. Uh, very happy to bring that content to you guys. So let's go into Ed Brady. As we mentioned, Ed is one of a kind, restaurant entrepreneur. He's a Cranston City Council member here in Rhode Island. Uh, we do hope that you enjoy our conversation with Ed. Without further ado, here is our friend Ed Brady. Coming with us this week, we have a Rhode Island legend, Ed Brady. Many of you know him from the Thirsty Beaver, and we're going to dive into all of his accolades. Ed, how are you doing with us today? Uh, man, what, a, what an introduction. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for the kind words. Uh, legend, huh? That's uh, very humbling. Yes, no, I appreciate it. Uh, having, looking forward to this conversation a lot. Thanks for having me on. And so, Ed, you, um, we're going to dive into your career and why you specifically are a Rhode Island legend, but... Keep in mind, folks, this is the man who just had Keenan Thompson win an Emmy on his couch. So that, that's pretty baller, if you ask me. Um, you know, we'll, we'll post that picture, too, if you don't mind, Ed, but that's, uh, Yeah, of course. Keenan's an awesome dude, man. I, I'm glad I had the, uh, you know, the opportunity to meet him. And, uh, you know, he's just an amazing person. And all the success that's going his way is, is, is tremendous to see, so... He didn't slimmed out too. He looks real good. Yeah, he's lost a lot of weight. He's lost, you know, it's 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 kind of funny. I, uh, you know, speak that that actually is the true story about the Emmy on the couch. Uh, and uh, I I brought him downstairs. I was like, you know, that like weird moment where you're gonna show him memorabilia from Mighty Ducks, um, kind of show him the jersey on the wall from Gordon Bombay. I was, and he was like, yo, this is my first movie. This is epic. So that was like the first opportunity I had to show a celebrity uh, some memorabilia in the house. You know. Love. We absolutely love that. Um, and I know you have a ton of stories, but to start it off with our, for our listeners, tell us who is Ed Brady? Yeah, that's a great question. I think Ed Brady is, is, uh, constantly evolving, constantly growing, uh, constantly maturing and, uh, trying to surround himself with the best people that he can. Um, very fortunate to be on the show. I grew up here in Rhode Island. I grew up in Cranston, uh, you know, through and through my parents worked really hard to give me every opportunity to succeed. My mom got diagnosed with uh, breast cancer at a very early age. So I started working at Alpine Country Club, um, had to quit some sports that I was playing. Uh, fortunately, fortunately enough, she got better. But, um, you know, I would, I would go home. I would take money because she was the only working parent in my household. My father was retired on, on disability. Eventually uh, got into a great school, got into Bryant University, played some puck there, learned a lot, met a lot of great people. Uh, continue to ask a lot of questions. Uh, when I graduated Bryant, I, I started – that's when the film and television industry uh, – you know, kind of started over there. They, they started doing that film and television program. Moved out to LA when I graduated, learned a lot about uh, nightclub, you know, nightclub promotions. And I was trying to be an actor and doing some fun stuff with producers and linked up with a kid named John Ryan, who grew up here in Cranston. He's the same guy that actually brought Keenan uh, to our to my crib. And, and we're, you know, hopefully going to collab on some projects together. But, uh, you know, started nightclub promoting out there, moved out there, learned a lot about 944, the magazine. They were an entertainment-based brand that was throwing parties all throughout LA. And uh, eventually my mom um, got a little sick again, moved home and uh, said, I'm never gonna leave as long as she's on on this planet. Um, I'm gonna be around my family and I'm, I'm very fortunate. That's that's what's most important to me and she's, she's good now. And and I've been living here ever since. Started selling copy machines when I got back, didn't really have an identity, didn't know what I was gonna do. And then I said, you know what? I, you know, Let's go back to what I was doing in LA. Let's try to bring some of that vibe 
here in Rhode Island. Um, based a company called 401. It was funny. I was telling a lot of my college buddies I was doing it. I started taking pictures in nightclubs for free. Uh, kind of that's kind of how I, I, you know, when Facebook's just started getting popular and right around 2006, 2007, that's when, uh, when I graduated, started putting those pictures on, driving traffic on the website. Uh, next thing you know, I'm bringing a lot of those celebrities back to Rhode Island, throwing my own parties, hiring photographer companies, hiring videographers, and just kind of throwing some, uh, some bashes. And, and eventually that led to an investor asking me to open up my own, my own place. Uh, my first project was a nightclub called Vanity. Then we did uh, the Thirsty Beaver Cranston, Thirsty Beaver Smithfield, Thirsty Beaver uh, Foxborough Rentum. We own a place um, in East Greenwich called Huck's Filling Station. And we've done some projects that have been hit hits and some that have been misses along the way. It's just like any entrepreneur. And then eventually I've, uh, that's kind of led me to uh, politics. I'm, uh, uh, the mayor asked me to be a councilman here in Cranston. So I know that's a lot really quick, but that's kind of just a, a brief story of where I was, how I got here and uh, kind of what what's going on with the resume right now. Very blessed to be able to say that I have restaurants that are still operating through COVID and, and, and still profitable. And, and obviously the support that we've gotten through the public is, is truly amazing. Uh, and, and we're very blessed to, uh, to be here right now. You hit basically your entire packed career in two minutes right there. Which is, <laughs> um, Try to give a brief synopsis. I hope I did all right. I know I just, uh, I, I just took a breath. I was like, whoa, that was a lot. <laughs> I, we're here for it, and our listeners are too, and you make a great point to start that off. Ed Brady's constantly changing. He's constantly evolving. With all your accolades and with all that you've done, it's really hard for you, you know, all of us to say, wow, that was his career path. Like That's very easily um, you know, replicated. It's absolutely not. Um, what did you first want to do? Like, What were your career ambitions? Because you know, people can say, oh, I want to be an actor. I want to own a, a restaurant. But I think, correct me if I'm wrong, was it hard to, you know, understand, I guess, how you got here and, you know, how that differed from your first vision when you were a kid and caddying at Alpine and, and going to school? You know, what was the first original goal that you had for your career? You know, that's great. That's a great question. Um, you know, I talk to a lot of people right now that are in college or graduating college and, you know, they get so stressed or worried. You know, they don't know what, exactly what they want to do. And, you know, I don't, I don't think until you get in the mix of it, you know, you really know exactly what you want to do. But going back, I mean, to, to those days at Alpine, I would ask every question to anyone that was successful. I didn't grow up with wealth. My parents worked really hard to help us uh, move from Providence to Cranston. And, and, you know, my mom worked overtime and overnights and, you know, many, many, many hours. So I never wanted to take that for granted. And I think that's where I got my work ethic from. Um, to your point uh, of your question, it, it wasn't an easy, easy path. Spent a lot of hours, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of years of, you know, friends going on vacation and doing whatnot and, you know, putting in the 70, 80 hour weeks to get to a point after many years where an investor did want to invest in me. Uh, as far as what I exactly wanted to do when I was younger, when I was at Bryan, I was studying finance, I was studying marketing, I was studying communication. I didn't really have a clear path. I just, uh, I knew that I enjoyed marketing. I, enjoyed, I knew that I enjoyed film and television. And I, and, and I, uh, you know, I knew I wanted to take a chance. It's, it's funny in 2006 too, um, poker actually took, uh, the Bryant campus by storm. Internet poker was legal in the state of Rhode Island. So that was one of my first kind of business ventures. Um, as much as I enjoyed the game of poker, I, I realized a way to kind of make, make money off of it, which that was just going around the campus, handing out $25, uh, visa cards and then I would get a 50 to $75 referral bonus for every single person that signed up. Next thing you know, there's thousands and thousands of people playing on that campus. And uh, I was hooked. I, uh, part of the reason I moved out to LA, I was actually 
playing semi-professional poker in addition to, you know, being an extra on films and just talking to everyone and learning more and more about the film and television path, which then led me to uh, just creating great relationships with music acts like Steve Aoki. And, um, you know, eventually we brought back Nick Cannon and Bam Margera and Holly Madison and Chris Brown. And, you know, for a little while, when, when I moved back to Rhode Island, we hit the state by storm. Um, it was just celebrity after celebrity after celebrity where we, from 2008 to 2012, really, uh, you know, Rhode Island was like on the map. We had DJ AM before he passed away. Um, you know, it was just so many cool acts. We started trying Tuesdays up at Foxborough right when they opened industry night uh, with, with my partner at the time, Vinny Vibe. It was a lot of fun, a lot of work. It wasn't just all partying. It was definitely taking that brand 401 and making it more than it was. It was the great thing about 401. It's a state of Rhode Island. People, you know, they, they felt love for the name and, you know, they wanted to embrace it and they knew that they had to come out and party with us every night of the week. But I had a bigger vision, a bigger goal in mind, and it wasn't to be a promoter for my whole life. I mean, like I said, a lot of my college buddies that were in finance careers, making six figures, doing their thing, were like, what are you doing, dude? You're throwing parties at, at nightclubs. But, um, you know, I had a long-term vision and a long-term goal. Unfortunately, um, it all worked out. I was able to get to a point where we have these businesses not coming from a large amount of wealth myself personally. And uh, like, like I said, uh, fortunately enough, an investor decided to invest in me and here we are. Which is a perfect transition point. You know, you talk about your post-college days and uh, thank you for sharing this story with poker. I mean, that's a new piece of information that we absolutely, like we both looked at each other and just smiled. Like that's, that's an awesome story. Um, yeah, I still enjoy the game, man. It's, it's, it's an awesome game. It's a game of skill. It's a game of, uh, game of fun, so. Oh, we're we're big poker fans, absolutely. Um, but you talk about the nightlife industry, uh, 401, and uh, so why did you enter into that nightlife industry, and what are some of the major lessons you learned afterwards when you brought it back to Rhode Island? So uh, when I was on L.A., uh, that same gentleman that I grew up with here in Cranston, John Ryan, he was just starting to make a name for himself out there. He had equity in some clubs. I didn't even know what a nightclub promoter was, to be candid with you. Um, it, I, I enjoy the aspect of taking care of people, you know, building relationships, showing, showing people a great time and, and, uh, you know, maintaining those relationships. It's important if a VIP came out, um, you know, that you show them above and beyond time that they want to come back. And I think those lessons that I learned out in LA about how to create those relationships and how to build, uh, you know, build the excitement of those times. I then in turn formulated back here in Rhode Island, I was fortunate enough to, to learn under him and, and some other people. And then when I eventually moved back to Rhode Island, learned under some great mentors like Steve Morrow, who uh, passed away, but he was one of the best owners I've ever worked for. Um, Brandon Sweet, who's still up at Foxwoods now. Uh, there's been a lot of great people I've learned over the years. I've taken as much information I've can, I, as I can. Uh, always been, been kind, always been honest, and, and Rhode Island particularly always um, can never burn a bridge. I've tried to do that the best that I can, um, build those relationships, continue to take care of people, and I, I hope uh, that has contributed to some of my success. So let's shift to the dining aspect. And, you know, obviously it's more of what you're doing now, of course. Uh, you meet Jeff Quinlan, uh, God love him, who when you were 13 years old, uh, you're catting at Alpine in West Cranston. And all of a sudden, along with a few other guys, he became your right-hand man in what would later be digging dining. Um, why, why a restaurant entrepreneur, Ed? Was it a product of your conversations with him? Did you know you wanted to do that? Um, why, why dining? Um, that's a great question. And, and, and even to touch base on that, I want to kind of accelerate the point that Jeff is a great partner in the aspect that, and, and that's important advice to give to any entrepreneurs that want to go into business with uh, partners. 
um, he's great at things that I'm not great at. And I think it's important to surround yourself with people in an, an environment that things that you know you're not good at, obviously surround yourself with people like that. Jeff had, I met him at 13. He was a passionate kid, played hockey, uh, built a relationship. He started coming to my, my clubs and my parties. And meanwhile, I was watching and observing his success in the real estate game. And he was flipping properties and, and uh, you know, multiple, multiple, multiple properties. And fortunate enough, put, him at a, put himself at a place where he could come up to me and put his money where his mouth was and say, hey, I want to open up my own place. You, you know, I see the success that you're doing in nightlife. He had no background in nightlife. He was going to law school. Um, you know, he was flipping properties, like I said. He was just a, a, you know, a great entrepreneur that, that found a value in me, which I'm very fortunate enough. And, and that being, I was working for many, many people back then, but he was the only one that ever said, hey, I would love to open up a place. And like I said, put, you know, business plan together, money where, uh, money where his mouth was and, you know, loyalty and, and through many, many years, we're sticking together and because I, I value his, you know, all the knowledge that he's given me and, and, and the success that I have uh, to that point, I think your question was why dining, which is an elaborate answer on that. Uh, we found a trend of nightlife when we opened Vanity Supper Club, which was around 2012. It was like nightclubs were kind of on the tail end. We just had successes of six, seven years of promoting plus owning our first nightclub. I was fortunate enough to help pay him back within a year of that first nightclub, which led us to the Thirsty Beaver Cranston. We saw a lot of the, the 18 um, to 27 year old demographic. They didn't want to go to clubs anymore. They were the 18 plus clubs and whatnot, but they wanted to go to a bar. They wanted to have a burger. They wanted to listen to acoustic music. They wanted to be able to spend $20 versus hundreds and popping bottles and champagne. It was just a trend that we saw. Fortunately enough, we started evolving into the, to the restaurant side of things, uh, away from the club side of things. And for my own uh, personal health and not being out till two, three in the morning, obviously uh, it's, it's worked out. And why do you think that's the case too? Is it just a product of the era we were living in at that point where you know, the shift from nightclubs to going to that, you know, couple beers, acoustic music, right? Maybe out on the porch or something like that. Was that just a product of the time or were there other factors at play here in Rhode Island where, you know, that was the right move for you guys? Jake, that's a great question. Um, there were definitely factors here in Rhode Island because you're still seeing success, successful nightclubs in larger markets, non-COVID, right? Before COVID, you see Big Night Entertainment Group, who we work with um, in Boston and, and Shrine, and they're doing very well um, with, their, with their nightclubs and their brands, and they're still bringing in large-scale talent. Here in Rhode Island, they eliminated bottle service. They made it illegal, um, which was you know, infuriating at the time. We went from doing $15,000, $20,000 a night in VIP revenue to nothing. So uh, basically we had to change and evolve uh, our business plan. But that also being said, I think throughout the country, you see, you know, our parents talk about nights, uh, you know, grandparents talk about clubs that they went to and, you know, the clubs, they come, they go. I think it's an ever evolving evolution. I think if we could get bottle service legal back here in Rhode Island, a few years down the line, we'll see nightclubs potentially come back. I think it's just a cycle that we constantly got to go. We're going to go in the, you know, the rest of life, but we have to continue to monitor trends throughout the country, see what, larger markets like LA and New York are doing and then kind of try to see if we can catch up a little bit quicker as they're always a little bit ahead of us if we can kind of scale on that on their models um, and, and watch those trends obviously we can find some successes. And you touch upon it perfectly you know how you entered into the restaurant industry and across over the years I mean you had many different endeavors obviously we touched upon Thirsty Beef which is a fan favorite amongst many Rhode Islands but you also had Four Corners Coffee, Milk Money, Hugs Filling Station, the list goes on. Um, have you found it beneficial for your restaurants to each have their different niche, uh, niche and speci uh, specialty? Or, um, you know, what, what would you credit the success to those restaurants? Team. 
definitely team. Um, it's more than just myself. It's more than just Jeff. It's uh, con continuing to manage relationships, manage people, um, grow the team, create an environment where people want to grow with you. Um, when we first, when Jeff and I were trying to do a cap raise for our first project, which was Vault, which never came to fruition, um, we couldn't get a, people to give us a dollar. We, went, we were going around with our business plan and, um, you know, it was a larger scale project, but we didn't have a, a track record proven of success. I was a nightclub promoter who graduated college um, and I was 26 years old and he was a young entrepreneur um, flipping real estate. So he kind of really went out on the line with, with our first investment in Vanity and went all in and equitied some properties. And, uh, you know, like I said, uh, that has helped get us to where we are and, and I'll never forget that. But that being said, why do I think it's important to, you know, diversify your portfolio and, and uh, go in different directions for restaurants, uh, Huck's, Four Corners. We've tried a, a lot. Um, obviously, the Thirsty Beaver brand is very strong. We're now up to three locations, hoping to have more throughout the years. Um, but we, you meet people throughout your career that you want to invest in yourself. And we have uh, minority partners at each of those locations that we weren't necessarily investing in the brand. We were investing in those people. And um, that's important too, because I think, you know, people go into business or entrepreneurship and hundred percent of zero is zero. It's okay to give up percentages of businesses for growth and to, you know, it's, it, you want to take people up with you. I, I've been fortunate. I have minority partners in my business um, that have been childhood best friends and, um, they're, they're great at growing those brands and, and they have unbelievable assets. Uh, Justin Erickson, who's been a best friend of mine through childhood, has always been a bartender since he was, you know, 18 years old. It was one of my first places and he knows everything about um, cocktails and Jared Millay knew a lot of, lived out in LA with me for a decade and brought a lot of that vibe back from, um, from LA for the food scene. So what those, you know, I had to find the strengths in my partners and then obviously we, could find ways to develop brands with their strengths and, and hopefully uh, some have worked, some haven't, and you'll learn from your failures just like anything else. But, you know, that's important. I think uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, um, they're, they're afraid to talk of their failures and only of the successes. Some of my failures have been some of my best learning experiences and have helped grow and evolve me to the person that I am. So um, I think entrepreneurs are always going to fail and succeed. Um, you just got to make sure that you catch the failures quick enough to, so that it, they don't, uh, you know, obviously affect your, your successes. That's a great point. It, it is. And wish we had more time because I'm sure you can take up another two hours of just talking about the places you failed and the places you've won, right? So we'll have to, Absolutely. Have, that. We'll have, to have you back in the, here in the studio at some point just talk about your career a little bit more. But I want to talk about philanthropy now, too, because you alluded to why caring for other people is so important in your life earlier in the show. You still, to this date, have supported so many philanthropic causes at this point. I know that to start off, you've done a lot with Toys for Tots and the Project Broken Wheel Foundation down in Bristol for um, you know, underprivileged uh, youth getting access to bikes and things like that. Um, you've done a lot of work at Bryant with St. Jude, uh, Sigma Chi Fraternity, the Huntsman Cancer Institute. Um, there aren't many people that are restaurant entrepreneurs like you that have that philanthropic drive. So. Besides what you alluded to in the top of the show, why is that so important for you to continue being very uh, active in the philanthropy space? Um, you know, I think, I think that's a great question. Um, when I was younger, I always wanted to be, you know, a multimillionaire. And I think it's because, you know, my parents, like I said, I, I really respect how hard my parents work to give me every opportunity to succeed. 
And um, I never wanted to let them down. So that was kind of like pressure on myself to provide a better lifestyle for them. And I think that when I started getting, you know, six figures in your bank account or, you know, 100,000, 200, whatever that amount may be, it didn't necessarily make me any happier as a person. And those pressures that I put on myself didn't actually make me a better human and didn't make me a better person. So it was through feeding the homeless through the Round Dream Center and, and continuing to give back and those smiles that you saw on people's faces that, um, and having the luxury to do so, um, that made me feel better by, you know, redeveloping my, going back to my high school and helping get involved in the um, alumni association and redoing the auditorium and then redoing the, the field. I mean, just to see the amount of joy that it brings on new kids. I think that's kind of what puts the balance on me and makes me a better person and helps me continue to be happy and want to grow the businesses and make more money so that I can create more positive change. And in doing so, it creates a lot of relationships and you meet a lot of amazingly kind-hearted people. And I think that, um, you know, at the place in my career that I am here at 36, um, my visions and goals and objectives have completely changed. And I just want to make sure that I have balance and, and, and find a, a good path of happiness in life. And money doesn't necessarily always bring that, you know, like I said, I've, I've been at the point where I could barely pay a bill. And I've been at the point where I, you know, I was fortunate enough to help some people and it, you got to be happy with yourself and, in the relationships that you make and the people you surround yourself with. And that's the only way that you're going to continue to succeed and grow as a person. And you're now helping people even more. Um, as you mentioned, you have now taken up public service and you're part of the uh, Cranston city council. Um, you have the slogan people over politics, which is, you know, very important in our day and age, especially uh, what are some of the things that you're working on to create a better life for the people in your region? And what do you think are some of the major issues facing Rhode Island right now? Well, that's a great question. Um, I think for myself, and I know this isn't, I mean, on, on a national level, this is certainly not as easy on a, on a local level. Politics is, is uh, polarizing. I mean, you, you got pe- Republicans that want to, you know, on a national level, there's a lot of money involved, want you to hate Democrats, Democrats want you to hate Republicans. Uh, at least on a local level, my slogan, people before politics, um, I stand true to. I grew up in a very democratic household. I was an independent. Um, I'm now currently a very conservative, uh, fiscal conservative Republican. And that's only because the mayor of our city asked me to be appointed to a seat. I wouldn't even, I would have just stayed an independent. Um, By using, now I understand it's not easy to, as an independent on a national level to win elections. Um, You have to, you know, side with the party. That's obviously how you fundraise to get to that, to those large courts, at least on a local level, which I enjoy. That's not important. You know, I've voted on, you know, popular topics didn't matter if, if Democrats all voted one way, Republicans all voted another way. I voted in my heart. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's the only way that JFK, um, you know, wrote a great book. And, um, you know, it basically talks about going against your party and for what's right for the country or right for the people. And um, that's kind of the way that I've uh, been doing public service. Um, party, party isn't really important to me. It's really more what's best for the city, what's best for people. And, um, you know, figure out a way to get it done creatively. Uh, some of the things that I've done that I'm proud of is um, recently work with the mayor, uh, Fung, about keeping the solar energy that we're creating here in the city of Cranston in Cranston and, and, and that equating to tax dollar revenue savings for the for taxpayers. Um, you know, one the recent project that we're doing, we're hoping that we're about we're at the RFP stage. We're about to sign it. Just through hard work through that, it looks like it's going to save taxpayers about $25 million over the next uh, 25 years, which, which is a great accomplishment. But more importantly, it's answering those phone calls. It's getting back to people. It's, it's kind of 
proving people that that know what's going on in the world in politics that all politicians aren't the same people care about you um and and you know they can get change done and and that's kind of why i got into politics i don't know how far i will go with that you know and because there's a lot of stuff about politics i don't particularly like um playing the game and all that and whatnot but as long as i think that i can continue to create positive change for people uh, i'm going to continue to do it Outgoing Mayor Prince and Alan Funk, who you have a good relationship with, and he will be stepping down in favor of, um, you know, the presumptive Republican nominee, uh, Ken Hopkins, I believe. Um, what's the number one thing you learned from Alan Funk over the years? Um, it's not, I, I would say that things at the surface aren't always as easy, and the amount of information that Alan knew that the general public didn't know, you know, and sometimes they might hate him for decisions that are made, they're still the better decision for the city of Cranston and it was proven over time. So, um, you know, you can't always be, he was an incredibly fiscally responsible mayor. He's done a great job. He's taken our, our, um, basically our rainy day fund from $8 million to $19 million, which has allowed us to have a better bond rating, which allows us to obviously go to bond for a better tax rate to make improvements in schools and roads and whatever it may be. So his fiscal responsibility and the way that he obviously managed our city budget has allowed us to, create ample positive change over the last 12 years here in the city of Cranston. He's going to be truly missed. Uh, I am hoping that my friend, uh, lifelong coach, uh, Ken Hopkins does win, but he's in an election right now against uh, Maria Bucci. And um, it's going to be very interesting to see how that all plays out. But, um, you know, I, I truly, truly, uh, we were blessed to have a great mayor here in the city of Cranston and, and see the growth that we have through Chapel View, Garden City. Um, we're, we're really, uh, you know, Cranston, I'm very proud of being a Cranstonian. And uh, I think it's it's a great asset to the state of Rhode Island. And real quick before we hop into some rapid fire fun stuff, um, I know that Top Golf was talked about that project. Um, Still coming. Still coming. Yep. I figured. <laughs> we, we don't have any more comments at this time. Oh, I'll gladly comment on it. Yeah, I have a pretty good relationship <laughs> with uh, the uh, Capronado Group, uh, who, who obviously uh, they they want to put that into uh, Chapel View, and it it is. I, I literally spoke to them as of a week ago. Uh, COVID obviously interrupted the plan a little bit, but um, from my understanding, they're still looking to break ground in February. Great for the um, great for the city of Cranston, great for the state around. I think it's going to create a lot of tourism. It's a very, very fun place to be. I'm, I'm not sure if you guys have ever been. I've been to Tampa, Vegas. I've, I've, I've visited their locations, and I'm very, very excited for uh, Topgolf to come here to Cranston. Do you think there's anyone in Rhode Island that can outdrive you at Topgolf? Uh, man, that's I swing pretty hard, but I, I have some, a lot of friends that can – Hit it farther than me that I played my whole life, but I, I do swing pretty hard. <laughs> I will, we'll believe you, and uh, when it breaks ground and opens up, we'll we'll take you on that challenge to see how <laughs> far you can actually drive. I have a feeling I can outdrive you, Ed. I don't know. All right, I'll take that bet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll bet a. Uh, we'll put a line. I'm not sure. I might be uh, if I outdrive you. I might be drinking for free one of these nights of beef. So we'll, that's a deal. That's a deal. What's your range? How far do you hit it, Jake? Yeah, we might have to put that on the – we'll see. We'll see. All right. All right. We're going to have to, you know, get him on the range this week just to see how far. I'm saying no, no, no more than 160, but wow. he, might be, he might be pushing. Wow. Wow. I think I, I – I, uh, 300. I could go 302. Oh. Yeah, Jim, um, you don't got that. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I, 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 yeah, if you're 302, I might be coming into shorty, man. I don't know. So. All right. Okay, but the good news is we've got some time now because they're going to break ground in February. You know, construction will probably take a bit. So, absolutely. 
I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna close the computer. Mini golf. Yeah, I'll take you in mini golf. You got me in mini golf. I'm not the best putter. All right, cool. I'll do some arms and some shoulders <laughs> for the next year, and we'll, we'll see how that works. <laughs> um, so w- let's get into some rapid-fire stuff. I guess, what's the best piece of advice that anyone's ever given you over the years? You've met some interesting people, right? And I'm, I'm sure you've picked up a lot of good tidbits, but anything stick with you that you, you carry with today? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, be kind is definitely, um, you know, I've met all sorts of life, all sorts of people, all sorts of celebrities, all sorts of, you know, all sorts of people and um, gotten a lot of different advice and you take what's most important. But I, recently I've, I've received some great advice. And um, if you treat your life like currency and you start each day with a hundred dollars and um, take that hundred dollars. And if you surround yourself with people that are positive energy, that are intelligent people that always want to bring you up, your currency goes up. And you get through the day and you don't get tired and, and your productive day continues to go productive and you get the most done and you obviously see the successes of your day. If you surround yourself with negative people, your currency goes down. You get tired. You might need a nap. You might not eat well. Um, so I guess on that advice, continue to surround yourself with positive-minded people. Continue to re-educate yourself. Continue to be a better person. And ultimately, that's how uh, you're going to create, in my opinion, the best balanced, happy lifestyle. Beautiful, beautiful. And our podcast, as you know, is Beers, Business, Balls. And we talked a lot about your business background. So let's get into it. What is your beer or drink of choice? Beer or drink of choice. Okay. Um, it's either, depends on the, depends on where my currency is for the day and where my energy <laughs> level is. But um, I would say uh, if I'm like, if I have something in point where I have to do and I can't go too heavy, it's just a simple Bud Light guy. Um, I, tra- I, I switched from Miller Light, which was my drink of choice as a kid, to a friend who passed away. Uh, now I always cheers the Bud Light every time I drink it in, in memory of him, who was one of my original mentors. So that's my beer of choice, even though it's pretty basic. Um, my drink of choice is if my energy's there, I'm feeling good. Patron on the rocks, splash of pineapple. Um, definitely an upper. Tequila is one of the only uppers. And then if I'm just kind of chilling, end of the day, Jack and Ginger type of guy. You really were raised by the nightclubs, huh? Absolutely. <laughs> Patron splash of pineapple. You have expensive tastes. I like it. <laughs> How about you guys? What are your uh, drink of choice? Man, you know what? We haven't really I, – I, I like the way you broke it down based on what the moods are, right? We're just cracking open. If we're talking light beers, and give me cores, man. Give me cores. I haven't had cores really at all this summer, which kind of sucks, but – I think uh, if I'm, you know, if I'm drinking, if I'm at a club, you know, I'm out with a bunch of friends, it's probably rum and coke for me, a little Bacardi. Not, not dark rum, though, the white rum. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm either uh, gin and tonics or uh, Jamo and gingers. Okay. Yeah, I like it. I dig it. But I, I, I like the Miller Lite on a light beer. Um, that's something that I've always had in my house, just like Miller Lite, Coors Light. My dad loves Heineken, so I always, I always enjoyed Heineken. But okay, I, I dig that. What about what's your favorite? What, what's the craft beer that you were like most excited to have at one of the beef locations or to drink or anything? Like you a craft? Ma- beer? Yeah, Maine is pretty good. I don't know if you guys have had that. Uh, definitely, uh, yeah, I, definitely a good one. But I, I also have to plug. I don't know if you guys have had the opportunity. Uh, I have have to plug one of the businesses, Huck's Filling Station. 
Uh, Ryan Drain has been with me since the beginning, and uh, he, he was a, bar, a nightclub bartender for me, and he's really uh, evolved and, and perfected his craft. He's a mixologist now. He's not just a bartender, and he takes time, and, and he puts eight, nine, ten ingredients in a cocktail. I go have a cocktail uh, at, at Huck's Filling Station, on, which is in uh, Greenwich Bay, right on the main street, East Greenwich, Warwick Line. It's, you can barely taste alcohol, and it's, just, it's, it's an actual experience of enjoying the drink. So uh, I, I definitely invite, you know, maybe we guys will have a drink there together, but uh, the drinks at Huck's are pretty killer. I've heard that from plenty of different people, so I think we're going to have to make a stop at Huck soon. Um, now, real quick, before we go, we can't let you go without talking about sports at the very least. Um, you've recently defected from Patriots fandom, and you are now a Tom Brady supporter with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. First of all, how could you? Wow, Second, man, you've done your research, my man. <laughs> <laughs> we don't we leave no stone unturned that how could you yeah i didn't know this was like open knowledge <laughs> <laughs> come on man i get it tom brady you know tom brady no is. well you know having the last name brady wasn't easy growing up I, I know it's a little before your time but the brady bunch i got busted up about my entire life um, <laughs> then, then this guy tom brady came about and uh you know it wasn't the question wasn't oh, are you part of the brady bunch people singing the song it was uh oh is tom brady your cousin so you know, I, I respect him as a person. I respect him as an athlete. I respect him as a businessman, more importantly. I, don't, I think he left New England uh, very respectfully. He didn't have anything bad to say about the organization. He's kept it to himself. He feels a little jaded. Um, I wasn't a Patriots fan growing up. I was a 49er fan. Um, just inherited that from my, my father. And uh, Tom Brady converted me. So I got to, at least through his career, stick it out. I've been fortunate enough to hang out with Gronk on a, on a couple of occasions. He called me on what would have been my wedding day um, with uh, my fiance and, and wished us uh, good luck and congratulations and apologized through his buddy Goon um, that he, uh, that uh, didn't happen that day. So I'm supporting my guys. Uh, doesn't mean I'm still not kind of watching the Patriots with a, through my right eye with my left eye closed, hoping for their success too. Uh, but if it's a Patriots, uh, Tampa Bay, Super Bowl, I'm, uh, I'm sticking with Brady. All right, respect. I get it. Um, so sports are getting into the heat of things, right? Uh, we've got a lot of playoffs going on. So I don't know if you just want to take us through, like, who do you have in baseball? Who do you have in uh, maybe to win the Super Bowl this year? And then um, what else? I can't even – basketball. I mean, do you have a favorite for the NBA Finals this year? What do, what do we got? Yeah, I mean, uh, I like the Lakers. I, I 67% of the, of the uh, general public seem to like the Lakers. The I was uh, reading an article, the line's two to one. Um, I, I think LeBron's going to do it. It's funny. I remember when I was at Bryant, I was writing articles in the uh, archway mm. uh, in sports. Uh, it, was, it was just kind of fun at the time. I remember I specifically still have that archway article where I said LeBron looked 35 at 18. And, uh, you know, so it's funny to go back and read that. Um, but, yeah, I got the Lakers. Uh, I think that uh, I had Tampa Bay. I liked how they looked against Boston. It was tough to see uh, Boston go out, but uh, what happened with Tuca? But uh, I did like the way Tampa Bay was playing. The energy was definitely there. As far as uh, the Super Bowl, uh, I mean, I, I can't not say Tampa, right? I can't got to say Tampa. Tom Brady going out on top, you know. Um, base baseball. Uh, it pains me to say that it's not our year with Boston. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. How about how, what do you guys think? Well, so you're gonna you're gonna get the Yankee bias from us a little bit. We're Yankee, we're big Yankee fans. Um, I don't know if they. I'll, I'll tell you what, the Dodgers look good. Um, 
I'm a little concerned about the Cubs. I'm concerned about uh, the, the A's, actually, I'm a little concerned about. So, I don't know. I think Dodgers or the Cubs have it in them. I think the, the World Series is coming from the NL this year. I really do. It's, it's going to yeah. be tough because I, I just feel like, especially with all of these bubble teams, I mean, it's whoever's hot is going to catch fire. I mean, like Miami Heat, like coming in as a five seed and, you know, doing totally. what they did. And, I mean, Tampa is a great team, but – like, I'm an Islanders fan. Watching the Islanders go all the way to the Easter Conference Finals, I was like, that was not expected whatsoever. And I think the same is going to be said about baseball. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. But to uh, close out, thank you so much for coming on. We really do appreciate it. Our viewers are absolutely going to love this. Where can our listeners find you and your brands on social media, and how can they engage with your content? Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. And these are, those are some great questions, and, and I really appreciate uh, you know you guys considering me worthy of, of being on, on the podcast. So that's, uh, and you said some great things and you asked some great questions. So I truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, people can find us at, uh, Instagram, there's to be repub, Huck's filling station. Um, we also have a location up in Foxborough Rentum that has go-karts, which is inside of a complex called supercharged entertainment. Um, my email, anyone want, ever wants to shoot me an email. I, I love talking to young minds, bright minds, people that just have questions. Uh, you know, fortunately enough, I've had a lot of great people in my life that weren't afraid to talk to me, spend the time, spend the half hour, answer any questions I had. Um, my email is ed at thirstybeaverri.com. You can also follow me on, on the gram. Um, but yeah, please don't hesitate, hesitate to reach out to me, anybody in any industry ever that you want to answer, you know, have questions about because uh, don't ever be fearful. We always want to engage with, with some fun minds. Ed Brady, ladies and gentlemen. Ed, thanks so much. You're always welcome here, man. We appreciate it, man. Thanks, thanks so much for having me. Thank awesome. You. And that was just Ed Brady. Great interview, great friend of the program. Um, we hope you enjoyed. I mean, we learned a lot about Ed. Um, I think his story is just very inspiring. Uh, it's definitely going to be a book one day, without a doubt. And honest words, I mean, I we honestly think that he's a Rhode Island legend. Um, he does so much for the community. He creates experiences and atmospheres for people to enjoy. And he's just a friendly guy. So check him out on all of his uh, socials that he mentioned. And stop at the Thirsty Beaver if you already haven't. Hell yeah. Best craft beer at any restaurant in Rhode Island. Uh, best comfort food as well. Great place to watch sports. I'll leave it at that. And to Positivity Corner we go. Yes, so we have bee populations are increasing in many states, with Maine seeing 70% rise in two years. Um, so this is obviously great news. Obviously, people have always mentioned that bees are substantial to our ecosystem and to uh, you know, generate pollen and just help agriculture in general. So the U.S. Department of Agriculture shows that some states are experiencing huge number of colony growths. Um, those states include Michigan, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Maine. And these increases will definitely be beneficial, uh, not only to the bee population, but for our general agriculture in general. The pollen and nectar from the flowers are an important source of food uh, for the bees, which also provides, uh, you know, the growth to different vegetation and plants. So a lot of great stuff, and we're glad to hear the bees are coming back. Yeah. Bees are, I have a beef with bees. I never gotten stung by one, knock on wood, but... Those are yellow jackets. We're talking about honeybees. I know. It's just, don't you group them all into the same thing when you think about them, though? Like, I, I don't... I'm very happy that this is happening, though. This is very good, because 
these are, they're like mosquitoes in the sense that, you know, you might get, they, they might cause a nuisance on your life and scare you for a quick second, but they're actually doing a, uh, well, no, not mosquitoes, I should say bats who kill mosquitoes, right? Everyone freaks out at bats, but bats are harmless, right? They're just killing the bugs. Now we're on a tangent. I know, we are. <laughs> I'm going a little far off the track here. Um, that is our show. You know where to find us on social media. Air Raid is coming out soon. It will be out every week. Um, the blog's cooking. We've got baseball coverage. We've got NBA Finals coverage. Hockey with Handled is over, unfortunately. I'm very sad because uh, Chris Handled has given us great hockey content. But he's sticking around. So we've got, uh, we're close to 10 writers, I believe, now. So this is good stuff. You know where to find us in House Enterprise. That's our show. That's Will. I'm Jake. So long. Take it easy.